Welcome to the Wellness and Wanderlust podcast. We're here to demystify wellness and help you add a little adventure to your life. Tune in for a new episode every week where we'll hear from incredible guests and talk about ways to be happier and healthier in our new normal. I'm your host, Valerie Moses. Let's get started. Hi friends, I'm so happy to have you join me today at the Wellness and Wanderlust podcast. For those who are new here, this show is all about inspiring one another to live our best lives through small shifts in our everyday habits. We talk about all areas of wellness, from fitness to relationships to mental health and more. This week, we're talking about an area I'm especially passionate about, and that's career. We may not immediately associate our careers with wellness, but you spend about a third of your life at work, so it certainly plays a major role in your overall health and happiness. Before we get any further into today's conversation, I'd like to thank our sponsor, Energy Bits. For those of you who haven't introduced algae into your wellness routine yet, it is time to check it out. Algae is a nutrient-dense superfood and so easy to consume. Energy Bits offers 100% spirulina and chlorella tablets, which are naturally grown and non-GMO. I'm a huge fan of their chlorella recovery bits tablets. It's an incredibly detoxifying algae that can help your body recover after a workout, improve digestion, and a whole lot more. It can even be a little bit of a hangover cure for some of us, and it can be great for combating jet lag as well. So if you're interested in trying these out for yourself, you can visit energybits.com and use my code wellnessandwanderlust, all one word, for 20% off. I'm going to link them in the show notes as well. We actually had founder Catherine Arnston on episode 19 of the show. So if you want to learn more about the benefits of algae, be sure to check out that episode. Now on to today's topic. We're chatting with Cece Castelli, business leader, coach, and author of the new book, Mindset Unlocked. From the kitchens of Harvard to the beaches of Miami, Cece shares the powerful story of how she achieved her career dreams after arriving to the U.S. as a single mother and first-generation immigrant. She talks about the role of mindset in discovering your competitive career advantage and how unlocking our mindset can help us become successful. In our conversation, Cece and I discuss how to stand out in your career early on, tips for setting goals and managing our time, ways to prioritize our wellness in the midst of a busy career, the power of taking risks, and the importance of doing the things that others can't, won't, or simply don't do. I absolutely loved Cece's book and enjoyed chatting with her about all things career and mindset, and I know you're going to get a lot of great insights out of this one. So without further ado, let's dive into this week's conversation. Hi, Cece. Thank you so much for joining us at Wellness Wanderlust today. Hey, Valerie. Thank you so much for having me in your show. Well, it is such a delight to have you on the show. I can't wait to chat with you about your journey and everything that you're doing. Um, before we get started, why don't you tell our listeners a little bit about yourself? Sure. Well, let me start by saying that about 30 years ago, I went to Harvard. But I did not go as a student, but as a dishwasher when I first came to uh, the United States when I came as an immigrant and when I spoke no English. And even though I never attended Harvard, I was able to get a great job in Boston. I work in different hospitals, had an amazing job, but I found that my career was at a dead end. So during the dot-com, I wanted to move forward and I figured I needed to really unlock my mindset. So I grabbed my kids, moved to California, and I started all over. And if you fast forward to today, I'm now the author of the book, Mindset Unlocked. I'm also an executive in technology at one of the top companies in the travel and hospitality industry. And I'm a certified coach in high performance. And uh, what that means is that I work with people that are really hungry to succeed, 
they're willing to change their habits and really make an, a change to impact their life and get to their next level in their career. So I lead them and I encourage them to transform their life by gaining clarity, productivity, and courage in order to be successful. I know there are a million of coaches out there, so I want to be a little different. So I teach in high performance and with a scientifically proven program that move people toward a sustained success. So they're not successful for one day or one week a year, but I teach them how to have some principles and systems that can help them maintain success for a lifetime. And uh, let's see, and I live in Miami. Well, first of all, as a, as a fellow South Floridian or originally South Florida, um, I just have to say, you know, I absolutely love Miami and it's always nice to have a fellow South Floridian on the show. But your story is really incredible. I have so many questions for you. But first of all, you know, you talked about how you unlocked your mindset. And so you have a book now called Mindset Unlocked. What exactly does that mean to unlock your mindset? Well, that's a good question. I wanted to look internally and find out what my competitive advantage was compared to my peers. What are things that I could do that others can't, won't, or just don't do in order to be successful? So kind of like, what do you think about and how do you set your mindset in order to achieve what you want to achieve? So when I say unlocking it, it's really having the ability to step out of it and think, okay, if I want to do and achieve X, Y, or C, what is it that I need to do that is different from what I do today to be able to get there? And how do I adapt and start thinking differently with an effective strategy in order to achieve those things? So that's why I picked Mindset Unlocked, because I had to completely change my mindset to achieve different things throughout my journey. I think mindset is just so incredibly impactful in our careers and our health and really every area of our lives. And so I think this is such a needed book and a concept that so many of us um, myself included, need to really start to tap into a little bit more um, when it comes to our goal setting and what we want our lives and our careers to look like. How did this play into your journey? And what were some of the things you did to unlock your mindset and your own journey? So for instance, when I was 17, I decided to move to the United States, for instance. And even though I was uh, young and I moved without my parents, I needed to, I guess, be strong and have the courage in order to be able to stay in the U.S. and tell myself, okay, I can do this. Or for instance, when I made it to be a director at a hospital in Boston, but I was in my 20s. And I said, okay, well, if I want to make more money or achieve more, I'm not going to stay in a director's role for the next 40 years or 40 plus years until I retire. So what is it that I need to do? For example, I had to tell myself, well, I'm going to have to change careers in order to advance and make more money because I felt like, okay, I had a great career. I love what I did. 
but I knew I had hit a ceiling that I was not going to make more. So I went back and said, okay, you know what? I need to unlock my mindset to, and understand that starting all over again, it's okay. That it's not a stigma, that it's not negative, that I can actually have the courage to go into a new company, start, I started as a as an admin in an admin role, and then I was able to move up again. And when you have been already a director, and then you're going to go and change to a new role, and you are in a lower position, you definitely have to work on the mindset in order to be successful. Mm-hmm. Otherwise, you, you're just not going to survive. So there were a few times in my life where I had to tell myself, hey, if I want to achieve the success that I want, I'm going to start all over again, or I need to be flexible and do something different. And until I was able to do that. I think that makes a lot of sense. And it's something that I think makes us more resilient as humans when it comes to those challenges that come up in our lives, but also toward that goal setting and toward planning the future that we want to have. And I would say goal setting is a big part of your book and getting to that point in your career that you're that you're hoping to achieve. What tips do you have for goal setting and how we can set ourselves up for success in that way? Well, I would say the number one thing, you need to know what you want. What is it that you want? You need to like work to figure out, have clarity. Hey, what are the things you want and in which area of your life, right? Because you can have uh, your goals in your personal life, your goals with your family, your goals with your persona and your goals with your profession. So I would say have clarity on what you want to achieve and then ensure that you potentially come up with a strategy, like chunk it down, chunking down to instead of having a humongous big picture, a holistic picture, make it down to something that is more achievable and then work and see, okay, to achieve this this month, what would I need to do this week and next week and the following week? And then what would I need to achieve today? and the next two or three days. So kind of like break it down into more achievable goals that they all get you to the bigger goal. And then I would say the biggest tip that I have implemented is block your time. I block my time in my calendar uh, in order to do what I need to do at a certain time. And stop doing what waste time. Stop all those distractions. Mm-hmm. I can definitely relate to that one. And I absolutely love what you have to say about chunking out your goals. I've found for me personally that when I've set a goal that I've been successful at achieving, it really is because I really broke down what I needed to do by X date and broke it down into more manageable steps. Actually, starting this podcast was one of them. I talked for years about starting one and I just thought it was this nebulous thing that there were lots of logistics involved, but that at some point I would do it, but it was overwhelming at the time. But when I really sat down, I was able to separate it into more manageable chunks and get it done in a relatively short period of time. And I found that to be the case with so many of the goals that I have achieved. And I think for many others as well, the time blocking has been a newer one for me that I've found 
to be just so powerful. Um, can you talk a little bit more about time management? Because I think that's something that everybody listening to this, whether they feel like an expert or they struggle with it a little bit, I think everybody can definitely improve in that aspect. Yeah, absolutely. And and I wanted to add when you took and broke down the tasks that you wanted to do to get to do your podcast, I think the biggest thing that chunking down your goals does is that it removes doubt. I think it removes the doubts that you might have when you have such a big goal that you're not sure where to get started. So I think that that's one of the reasons why I try to break down uh, my goals. Now, going back to your question in regards to time management, I think that blocking the time and putting in your calendar what you really want to do for the day, it actually removes not doing, like removing some of those distractions that I mentioned before. Let me give you an example. I have in my calendar what days of the weeks I'm going to work out or what days of the weeks I'm going to do X type of workout. Even though I may walk every day, I have specific workouts in my calendar. And what that means is I don't have to wake up every day thinking like, oh, do I feel like going to the gym today or not? It's like, I know today is gym day and I'm going to do arm days today or leg days today. So that is why I implemented the blocking of the time in my time management strategy. I think also once in a while, I learned this from a mastermind that I participated in once. It was to do the list of, I will go and take the list of all the things I do in a day for example. And then I take a look and I said, what are the things that I shouldn't really be doing? Things that I've done forever that you do every day, but you do them as a routine and you don't really pay attention anymore. You just keep doing them, but they're really adding no value to you. So I end up trying to cross out the things that I should eliminate from my to-dos. And I call that my not to-do list. So I eliminate things and I call them, those are things that waste my time or distractions. So those are different things that I've done with time management. I think time management has been key for me. I try to group things that I do. For example, if I'm going to go shopping, I try to do all my shopping at one time. So I don't have to like go out three, four times in one day or three, four times in one week. So uh, maybe those are things that are helpful to people that are listening. I absolutely love those tips, especially the specific workouts in the calendar. I think it can be so easy to just kind of skip the gym, but yeah, to have that in there, almost like a meeting that it is a meeting with yourself in a sense, because you wouldn't skip the meeting. And so, you know, this is a way that you can be more accountable to your own goals. I started using time blocking in the pandemic just because I found, you know, without having the same structure in the day that I had before, I could get very easily distracted if an email came in or, if, you know, if anything happened that I was a little bit out of the ordinary or just distracting from a particular task I was working on. And I found myself kind of sectioning out parts of the day of, you know, hey, this is this is when I'm going to actually focus on, you know, whatever emails came in. But for now, I need to work on this one one project that is the most urgent, the most important. And, you know, you talk about that a lot in the in the first chapter of the book that I think it's the Eisenhower matrix. Yes. 
That is so powerful. I'd love to share with our listeners a little more about that. Yeah. So first of all, I wanted to tell you about the blocking. On the blocking of the calendar, besides the gym, I have even like the time that I walk my dog in the calendar. It might seem a little obsessive at times, but you know what? It also, a lot of people have asked me, hey, how did you manage to write a book while you work full time and you coach? And I think a lot of it is because of that blocking the time. I block my time, the two hours a day that I was dedicating to writing the book. Of course, at the end of the day, I had no time for Netflix or some stuff like that, but I managed to have more value coming out of my time. Yes. So the grid that I talk about in one of the chapters in my first chapter, it's really, I analyze and take a look at what are the things that are important to me and that are urgent. Sometimes we work on things that are urgent, but they are not important to us. So a lot of people are busy all day long, but when they complete the day, they actually did not achieve much or did not achieve the actual goals. And a lot of it is because you're busy doing things that may be urgent because you did not plan them, but they are not important to move your needle forward. So I take a piece of paper and I come up with a list of things What are the things that are important and urgent to me? Let's say I put them on the left-hand side. And then on the right-hand side, I would put what are things that are important, but they are not urgent. And then in the bottom of the page, I put what are things that are urgent, but not important, or that are not urgent and not important. And before you know it, you can categorize all these things that you usually do. And that's how you can free up some of your time or learn how to prioritize. What do I work on today? And what do I start blocking my time for? And block your time for things that are important. And if you do block your time and plan your week and plan your day, you're going to find out that you don't have many urgent things but you're going to be focused on your important things. And those are the things that are really going to get you to deliver the outcomes and the results of the goals that you want to achieve. I think that's so powerful. It's something that we talked about in a leadership group that I'm a part of. And it was so eye-opening to me because I've certainly, you know, I'm no stranger to the project that comes up that's urgent. And you're thinking, you know, is this really necessary to have it at this time? Is it really as important as it, you know, as it's been made out to be or what have you? But I, as I was, you know, looking through it, I realized, wow, how many items are on my list that are not urgent and not important? And those are what I'm spending the most time on oftentimes. And I think it's something that so many people can relate to. So I absolutely love that framework just to kind of start thinking a little bit more about where we're spending our time and how we can kind of reallocate it. Because I think when we are doing the things that are not important to us and they're not urgent, I mean, you you end the day completely depleted. Totally totally depleted and then feeling that you're drained. You're drained and, and you lose the courage to keep going, right? Because you're not achieving the goals that you want. 
Mm-hmm. And I think what you said with planning too, and really thinking about prioritizing what you actually need to do and, and want to do versus what is not really necessary. I've had so many days where I might be thinking, wow, tomorrow is going to be so stressful. I have this, 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 and this. And then when I really look at my calendar and I think about the projects I'm working on, I think, well, actually, the only thing that absolutely needs to get done today is blank. So rather than stress myself out over X, Y, and Z, let's focus on this and then we'll take it from there. When I'm not thinking about those things, the day goes so differently. And so I think this really does play so much into our mindsets and in our work. Yeah, I think it's also important to add, like, it's not like I follow a calendar all day long. You know what? I can also be spontaneous. So I am flexible to have things that are not in the calendar that I'm also able to do. Like if a friend stops over or like if I get a phone call sometimes of a relative that I really want to talk to. So don't think that it's so rigid that you cannot be flexible. But what's important for you during the day, it just needs to be in your calendar to make sure that you're focused in and achieve it. And make sure that you also add in there if you like to meditate or if you like to recharge in a different way with a walk or something, add it to your calendar. So you know, like, okay, I have an hour to be productive. So heads down and let's get this done because in an hour, I just have something else that is due or that I'm working on. I think those are such great tips. And I mean, again, time management is something that we all can work on in different degrees. And even when you have your strategies in mind, keeping these up during times of, I think, high stress as well, I think that goes a long way. I think it really helps us through those challenging times when we are keeping ourselves organized and kind of breaking it down and really focusing on that. So I, and I love including the walk or the meditation on there too, because that's always when, when you think of a busy day, the things for ourselves are always the first to go. Yes, absolutely. That's why we got to prioritize them because they're important to us. They're important for you to feel good. Absolutely. Now, I'd love to know too, because moving to a new country where you didn't speak the language at 17 is an amazing you know, accomplishment in its own right. And then you've gone on to do so much. That requires a lot of resilience. And I'd love to know, how does someone become more resilient and start to change their attitudes when it comes to challenging situations or something that is new and different for them? Good question. I think it's um, it goes back to mindset, mindset. And I think it's also kind of changing that mentality of like being sometimes when things go wrong, not having the victim mentality, right? I feel that I'm a victim of my own actions. So I work always trying to create opportunities for myself and opportunities for those around me. For example, I believe that starting again a new position from the bottom was going to be tough. But when I set my mind to it, it's okay, right? And I'm not going to tell you I didn't fail. I failed hundreds of times, tons of times. But it's believing that failing is okay as long as I learn from it, right? Okay, I learn from it. I'm flexible. I just need to learn. I need to tweak or change, modify what it is that I'm doing and accommodate what works. So just kind of be honest with yourself and think about I'm undoing really my best. I'm undoing my 100%. 
and have that attitude that it's okay to change. And I know that a lot of people have challenges with accepting change or modifying what they do. But if you're able to make one change today, you're definitely going to have a different result tomorrow, right? So I think being resilient have come to having taken many of the risks that I've taken throughout the years with some of the decisions that I made. I, for example, made the decision to come to the U.S. I made the decision to stay in the U.S., or to change career. I made the decision in 2019 to move to China as part of work and do all this of changing to a new country that afterwards got hit by COVID. So, hey, it's either you change and accept the life challenges with a great attitude and trying to always be flexible and happy or just, just not going to enjoy life. So I always try to not only be successful, but have some kind of balance with my career and life and enjoy life, have some joy and happiness. I think that's so important because so many of us get wrapped up in the perfectionism and wanting to get to the top, but not really focusing on you know, what is truly filling our cup, what is making us happy. The failure aspect is something that I think a lot of us really struggle with the thought of failure and something that my university actually did that I thought was a little scary for perfectionists, but is something that is such a cool concept. They actually, their college of business has a failure competition. Wow. Yeah. And I, at first I thought, who wants to you know, have the biggest <laughs> failure, I guess. But we really do learn from them. And so many of the great entrepreneurs, the great thought leaders, every people, you know, in general in this world have gotten to where they are, maybe because they failed and they modified and took those steps. Um, and that's something you talk about too when it comes to planning is as far as your goals go, that those can change. And so how do we kind of revisit that? Yeah, so something I do and that I have had great success with my coaching clients is I teach them to revisit your plans and to revisit your goals. So I set aside some time every week and look at, okay, this is what I plan to do this week. This is what I achieved. This is still what I have not done. And this is what I no longer need. Do I really want to make that trip? Do I really want to achieve this goal? Do I want to lose uh, 10 pounds when I actually look amazing by having lost eight pounds? Hey, you know what? We need to take a look and stop and say, hmm, is this change serving me? Is this goal serving me? Or I'm at a position where I can modify and change my goals for next week because they don't work for me anymore. I no longer need that. So I think that's really important. I have found a lot of people that they just set up their goals and they go after them without sometimes stopping to think, hey, my situations have changed. My circumstances are different. Do I still need this? Or what else do I need? And the most important thing is celebrate your achievement. Even if they're tiny, what did you achieve from last week? When you're revisiting your plan for next week, make sure you celebrate and you pat yourself in the back and do something special for you or for your teams to feel great with the stuff that you achieved from last week. 
First of all, I think the celebration is so nice because we get so bogged down, I think, in the day to day that we're not always thinking about, you know, wow, I, you know, we're not thinking bigger picture of what we're accomplishing and what we're doing. And it's something that my company does is they have a meeting every month or sorry, every week um, where we talk about the enterprise level projects. And when someone completes a project, they get to ring a little bell. And it's so silly. And especially seeing some of the executives and some of the managers ringing a bell, um, in the middle of a meeting, but it's a little celebration. It's something to kind of recognize, hey, we, we did it. We got through, we, we achieved this goal and we're moving forward. And so I, I think that is so important to think about. And also thinking about, yeah, is, is the goal actually serving me? Because we may have expectations we put on ourselves, you know, from a young age that are no longer relevant to us. And I've certainly found that with myself, but I think so many, that's why we see so many people with, you know, major career changes midway through their career too. Yeah. I wanted to go back to what your company does, that they ring a bell. I think that's awesome. I think that when leaders celebrate their teams, you know, they're kind of like establishing passion. And that is like you establish passion, celebrating your teams, celebrating your life, your victories, whether they're big or small, because I think it brings teams together and people together towards one goal. So I think that's great. As silly as it may seem to mm-hmm. some people, it's just great. Or like having a drinking groups or like celebrating with a happy hour or like ordering a cake or something different once in a while. Sometimes it could be something very inexpensive. I think it's really great. And it builds a sense of belonging, that you also belong to a team that is all working towards the same goal. So I think that's great. Yeah, I always I always smile when they do it. And um, it was so funny in the beginning because they had a tiny little bell that they would ring. And since then, they've gotten a much bigger one. But it's it's so fun to see that. And I think because we do get so serious sometimes when it comes and, and what we do is serious, but we again, get so bogged down in this, maybe the stress involved with the project or every little detail that we're not thinking about again, hey, we accomplished this, we did this together, we went from here to here, and we did it. So I, I do think that that is such an important step. And I I love that aspect for leaders to be recognizing that in their employees, because it makes you want to stay at a company. It makes you feel celebrated and appreciated. For listeners who are tuning in, who maybe are not in a leadership position yet, but they're looking to grow in their careers and get to that next step. Do you have any tips for them in, in terms of moving up and achieving their career goals? Absolutely. I would say the question that I would say they can ask themselves is whether they're happy with the speed that they're growing, that they're growing personally and professionally. Whether Think about, are you passionate about what you do in your career or to achieve the goals that you have? Do you love what you do? And then if not, or if you're not sure what to do next, I would say work with a coach. I work with a coach and that is why I became one. I think it's a big investment in yourself. And that is like when you look at athletes, athletes that are amazing, they're already investing in coaches, right? Even though they're already athletes and they're winning. Why do they do that? Because they want to be the best at what they do. And a lot of things that we don't know is that There are many CEOs, there are many big and famous top business leaders. They all have coaches. They have business Mm -hmm. coaches, someone that can challenge you, 
to grow, someone that helps you not only personally, but professionally have clarity into what is it that you want to do if you're not sure what you want to do and to keep you accountable, to help you with that time management if you're having time management challenges or if you are unable to influence others in different ways that you can influence not only your boss and those around you, but your loved ones too, to be able to have the support that you need in order to grow in your career. I love that. And I I do think it's important to just be kind of checking in with yourself. As you said, are you actually passionate about what you're doing? Are you happy with the speed that you're moving forward? Because, you know, maybe we are and we don't necessarily have to put certain pressure for the timeline that we maybe originally had in mind. If it's something that as we're going through it, maybe it's something that we're happy with in the present moment. Or on the other hand, you realize, wow, I'm really feeling stagnant. I am doing the same thing now I was doing three years ago. And I think that's important to keep in mind because it's so easy to get stuck. Absolutely. It is very easy to keep stuck. And when we love what we do, you get up every morning looking forward to going to work. It's a complete different feeling that when you're not passionate about what you do. So I think that's really key. Think about I'm undoing what I love doing. And this is like the perfect time to go out there and get the job of your dreams. There's so many jobs out there. So it's like the perfect time. Yeah, absolutely. And I think, you know, something that kind of plays into that, that we've touched on a little bit earlier is that risk-taking. I think it can be really scary to, to move to another company or to another industry or what have you. And some people are very good at taking that leap. Others might stay somewhere because it's comfortable and it's Maybe not what they're happy with, but at least it's known to them. So risk-taking has a lot of different connotations to different people. But how can we start to embrace that risk a little bit and approach risk from, I guess, a responsible place as well? Yeah, that's a great point to talk about risk since we are talking about potentially changing career or changing jobs, changing a relationship. You know what? I think one of the things that people can do is take a look and think about what are you really risking and what is the impact if you were to change career at this time, what are you risking and what is that potential outcome could be? Sometimes you will think and see that risk can be adaptive, that you can actually, something that not might be not um, very risky now might not be as risky tomorrow. So look at if it's going to bring you a positive outcome, what are the things that you can do in order to mitigate the risk? I starting a new career or starting a new job might feel that you're taking a risk as you change because you're unfamiliar with the new people, the new company. However, a new position may bring you a lot of different self-development and growth that maybe if you stayed in your secure job or what you consider secure, you might continue to be doing the same thing for the next few years. So why not take a look, take the risk, Make sure that you build that support group around you, whether it is your family, your partner, your friend, a coach, or anybody that can support you while you're taking the risk in making the changes that you want to make and growing with it. 
I think that accountability piece and the support piece are so key. I think especially when you were risk averse and maybe it seems a little bit scary to take the leap, but it's something that you know in your heart is the thing that is going to push you forward, is going to take you to that next level that you're hoping to get to, having the team behind you almost, that makes it so much easier. Yeah, I think sometimes it's just the fears that we have. We don't know whether it's the process of getting the new job is going to be tough or whether it's going to be that we're going to be lacking something. Hey, how about if I lose my job? Am I going to be lacking something? Or is it that I'm going to be unable to provide for my loved ones? So take a look at what is the real fear that you have for taking the risk of doing what you really love and go after those goals. I think that's so key. There are so many things that we tell ourselves we can't do or that we're not not even changing jobs, but even just taking on a new responsibility in your current role or joining a project that may seem a little bit out of your comfort zone. And I, I certainly had times, especially very early into my career, where I would be invited to do something and I would think, there's no way I can do this. But when, when you take that step forward, because the, the unknown is the scariest part of it, I, I yeah. truly believe that. But when you just kind of step forward and say, you know, well, this is within my value system. This is something that's not going to put me like in, in any physical harm or anything like that. And we really evaluate why are we afraid? And a lot of times it really is. We're just afraid that we are not going to be good enough, strong enough, or capable enough to to achieve whatever it is. Absolutely. I think that when I have these huge decisions to make, a lot of the times for me to have the passion to do them, I just think I I have nothing to lose. When you look at what you've done in life and that you have potentially already even done what it is that you want to do, you've already had a job, you have already studied, you have already walked into a new classroom, you have already met or dated someone. If you think about it, it's like, why couldn't you do it again? You have nothing to lose. You've already been there and done that. It's just that it's a new day. So try to look at what is the fear and take the risk. Be bold. (laughs) (laughs) I love that. And it's something that I think everybody needs that reminder from time to time because yeah, it it can be so scary, but to really, yeah, that I have nothing to lose approach and really thinking about, I can get through X, Y, and Z challenges because I've already done so much more than that in certain ways. You've already gone through those challenges in the past and sometimes even harder. And so kind of recognizing that in yourself and how much you have done really does go a long way. Absolutely. It goes a long way. Definitely. So I wanted to ask you just any other tips that you have for kind of improving your mindset when it comes to your career and your goal setting? Well, I think that people need to have a balance. So make sure that even though we talk time management, balancing, doing what you want for your career, that you also have clarity about you and your mental and your emotional energy. You need to have physical energy and emotional energy. So being taking care of yourself, what are you doing that is giving you that positive energy and strength, healthiness, are you taking care of your body, different things, because it's not all just about work. Are you also looking into what do you do for fun? 
What do you do for hobbies? What do you do you like to travel? Different things. So make sure that you incorporate a full and a balanced career and life, not just all about your career. So you got to work on that clarity piece to be wholesome. I think that's so important and something that we often overlook. And I I know for me personally that at times where I neglected the physical, the emotional, the mental, and really focused on the career only, I was not doing that great in the career either. I mean, you won't approach a project or a team or anything like that in that positive way and as productive and as meaningfully as you could if you're not taking care of yourself and if you're not being fulfilled in other areas. And that was something I really had to grapple with starting out in my career because I thought it was all about going to work and working all of the hours and not really focusing on those other things. And I found, you know, even just getting into the habit of working out before work in the mornings, physical wellness is definitely always a goal of mine, but recognizing too that going to the gym, it's going to fulfill me in that way. And not only is it helping me toward my wellness goals, but I'm also going to approach work in a in a better way. I'm going to be more productive. I'm going to be friendlier to work with. I'm going to handle challenges better because I'm taking that time for myself. And I think that's something that we have to recognize because I think especially as women, I think we're often kind of conditioned to believe that it's selfish to to put those goals and to put those things, you know, ahead of sometimes the other things. Yeah, absolutely. That's a great point. For example, I was a single mom. And when I was raising my kids, I went to work, right? So they went to school, they had an aftercare. When they were babies, they went to a daycare all day long while I worked because I chose to have a career, even though I was a single mom. So when I went home or early in the morning, getting to the gym, I always felt that it wasn't a good thing or like, oh my goodness, I felt a guilt trip. Why am I going to leave my kids for an extra hour for me to go work out when I already left them all day in school and in daycare? However, when I prioritize my health, my energy, I needed to have the stamina that I needed the emotional stamina and the physical stamina to be able to achieve the fact that I have a full-time job, I am doing a million things, and I'm also raising two kids as a great mom. So I think it's super important, just like you said, that we need to not feel bad about us getting to the gym. It's super important. Not only is healthy for us, but to achieve, if you are a high performer and a high achiever, your goals are going to be humongous, right? So you do need the stamina, physically and emotional, to achieve those. So you need to really work on having that physical health and emotional health to be able to achieve them. Absolutely. I think I think that's such a great reminder for everyone listening, uh, myself included. I was sick last month and I still get kind of tangled into that power through mentality. And I think when you finally take that time to rest and to focus on yourself, to focus on your health and all of that, you're not going to be performing at your optimum level if you're not taking care of yourself. And I, I just think that's something that's so important for us to remind ourselves of, especially I think for the moms listening and for really for everybody listening to really prioritize that and finding that balance. I, I know it can be hard, but definitely something I think we can achieve, especially I think with blocking that into your calendar too. Yeah, 
Absolutely. And I'm so glad you're feeling better. <laughs> yes, I'm very happy my voice is almost back. But yeah, it, it makes such a difference when you're taking care of your physical and emotional health. But I absolutely love everything that you're doing and all of the lessons that come from your book. Uh, before, I, I'm, I'm going to ask you a little bit more about your book and where listeners can find it. But before we do that, I'd love to dive into just a few of our rapid fire questions so our listeners can get to know you. Sure. Wonderful. My first question for you, what is your top wellness tip? Power naps. Power naps are my number one wellness tip. I do need to make sure I sleep five minutes, 10 minutes throughout the day. So that's uh, uh, my favorite one. That is awesome. I still have not mastered the power nap. I end up <laughs> falling asleep for a little bit longer than planned, but it's something that I've kind of looked at a little bit. And I think that's something that can be so restorative. And so I, I really love that. I don't think we've gotten that answer before too. Good. I'm back. <laughs> yeah. Now, where is your favorite travel destination? Oh, this is a tough one for me because I have been to 75 countries. Wow. I would say Capri, a small island on the outside of Naples, Italy. It's probably my favorite travel destination. That's beautiful. Yeah, it's just so beautiful, gorgeous. It's where the blue grotto is. The food, of course, it's Italian food. It's fantastic, great wine. And you can like mainly have to walk around up the hills, up and down the hills. So it's just gorgeous. And you also get a lot of physical workout while you're there. That's perfect with, with the wine and the food, especially in Italy, um, which absolutely amazing. And oh, what a beautiful destination. Now, if you were an animal, what animal would you be and why? I would say a puppy, a dog. Oh. <laughs> so I was never really a dog lover for years. And during the pandemic, I got a puppy, a little puppy that I thought it was going to be a tiny little dog that was supposed to not grow more than 15 pounds. His name is Loki and he is a Samoyed. And I would say I would love to be a dog because of the amazing connection they, they have with other dogs and humans. That is so sweet. And he sounds just absolutely adorable. <laughs> yeah, we always expect them to, to not get too big. And then, um, but that's, that's amazing. And I think the connection that we do have with our dogs, we're um, dog lovers in my family as well. Um, and not everybody grew up as a dog lover. My mom was, she preferred cats. And her little dog, Charlie, was, you know, that was, her baby. <laughs> so I, I do absolutely love that connection. And I think that it would be so nice to be a well-loved dog in, in a nice family. So what a great answer. Now, if you could master a completely new skill, what would that be? I would say to learn to speak Mandarin. Ooh. So I, I, of course, I'm, I'm fluent in Spanish because I'm from Venezuela. Um, I also... I am a certified American Sign Language interpreter. And when I moved to China, I started learning Mandarin. But because I got interrupted by COVID and came back to the U.S., I never continued my Mandarin lessons. So if I could master a new skill, it will be to continue learning Mandarin and be able to speak fluent Mandarin. That's amazing. And I do hope that you get to do that. I think it's so needed in, in today's world. And just learning new languages in general, I, I absolutely love. And finally, my question for you, what's next on your bucket list? 
Hmm, that's a good question. Well, since I had a great response with my book, Mindset Unlocked, <laughs> I've been thinking of developing a masterclass. So kind of like have a limited class, maybe like a two-day or three-day workshops where I limit it to only a selected group of individuals that it can be accessible to, but where they can learn some of my hacks and tricks of productivity, time management, and things that I have done to learn to be focused, productive, and balanced. I absolutely love that. And definitely, I can't wait to see you accomplish that. And with your goal setting techniques that you've taught us in today's episode, I think I'm sure that we'll be seeing that very soon. So I'll definitely be excited to share that with the listeners when that takes place as well. Now, before I let you go, how can our listeners find you and connect? And how can they learn a little more about your book? The best way to connect with me is to go to my website, which is cccastelli.com. And that is spelled C-I-C-I-C-A-S-T-E-L-L-I.com and go to the bottom of the page and just connect, press on connect and reach out to me. I'll be glad to connect with your listeners. And in terms of my book, it's called Mindset Unlocked. So they can go to mindsetunlocked.com or they can buy whatever they buy any books like on Amazon. Wonderful. I'll make sure to link it in the show notes and to link your website as well. And listeners, I completely recommend this book. I think there are so many great takeaways. And Cece, I just want to say again, thank you so much for coming on the show and for sharing with us today. Thank you so much, Valerie, for having me. This has been my pleasure. I was so inspired by Cece's story and her resilience throughout her career. The tips she shares on the show are so incredibly actionable, especially when it comes to planning and time management. And I'm really excited to start implementing some of those tips personally. I think that in order to achieve our goals, we really have to have a clear action plan in place from the beginning. So Cece's advice really stuck with me. I also loved what she had to say about risk-taking. Now, I don't think of myself as much of a risk-taker, but I do believe very strongly in getting out of your comfort zone. I think it's one of the best ways that we can grow and evolve in unexpected ways. So I do really see the value in having that courage to start over like she talked about in our interview. Now, if you enjoyed this conversation, please be sure to check out Cece's book, Mindset Unlocked, for other helpful tips. I've also linked Cece's information in the show notes so that you can connect with her and learn more. As always, I want to thank you for tuning in and for sharing this part of your day with me. If you have a topic you'd like us to explore in a future episode, please reach out to me. My email is Valerie, V-A-L-E-R-I-E, at wellnessandwanderlust.net. You can also DM me on Instagram at wellnessandwanderlustblog. You can lend your support to the show by leaving a rating and review on Apple Podcasts. It means the world to podcasters everywhere, and it makes a huge difference in helping others find the show. So if you find yourself tuning in from week to week, or if this episode in particular resonated with you, please leave that review. Let us know your thoughts. I hope you all have a wonderful day, and I can't wait to see you next week.